Everyone, welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. We are continuing with our season preview series. We have a, uh, a really exciting team on the way today, and that would be the Maryland Terrapins, last year's preseason Big Ten champs, not the actual regular season champs, but uh, they, they wrapped up that preseason title, so always fun. Uh, <laughs> but kidding aside, uh, we... We should have a fun show. We're going to have Matt on from Tostito Times here in a couple minutes to chat. We're live on Facebook Live as well. Um, so it should be fun. Lot, lot to chat about uh, regarding the Terps heading into the, heading into the season. So interested to get into it. But uh, before Matt does get in, um, just kind of a, a few general notes on the BT Powerhouse site. Season reviews coming up, at least our, our written version, not our podcast version, have been coming up over the last two weeks or so. Um, one up this morning. Hopefully there'll be one or two tomorrow. And we're hoping by early next week, which would be, what, right around Election Day, uh, to have them all finished. So for everyone to enjoy, and, and you'll see all of our, our kind of predictions coming in. But, but Matt is here. Um, Matt, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? Hey, happy to have you here. Um, so for, first, uh, this is your first time on our podcast. Uh, so why don't you take a, a second or two to introduce yourself and uh, what you guys do over at Tostito Times. Sure. Uh, my name is Matt Bonsuck. Uh This is actually my second year covering the Maryland basketball beat uh, for Tostito Times. Um, I also work at the Nation. I covered both the NBA and the NBA a little bit. So pretty mixed in with all the basketball stuff. Um, at Tessio Times, uh, we do we do a lot of it. Uh, we try to cover all the news. We try to travel a little bit when we can, try to get to the big games uh, when we can also. Last year we had a couple of cool opportunities. Got to go to North Carolina. Got to go up to MSG when Maryland played uh, Connecticut. Went to the Big Ten Tournament. We're pretty involved. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've had a, we had a, you know, have a long relationship with Tessio Times. We've had a... Uh, Few your other guys on, uh, always a great time. So we're we're happy to have you on here, uh, get things rolling for uh, the upcoming season. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, but before we get into that, why don't we take a look at last year? Uh, before we jump into that, I, I jokingly mentioned that Maryland uh, was the unanimous Big Ten preseason champions last year. Um, unfortunately, that that didn't happen in the season. Um, first off, uh, did you think the team was overrated, uh, or or did you think the expectations were just so insane that uh, nobody could have uh, kept up with them. Uh, it was a mix of things. Um, it's hard to really diagnose exactly what went what went wrong. Um, uh, listen, Turgeon, uh, Maryland's coach Mark Turgeon just really assembled just an insane roster that I don't think anybody could have predicted he could have brought in in his fifth year here. Um, and he was a little bit over his head, I think, in trying to get everyone to mesh so quickly. Uh, obviously with Rashid Suleiman just coming in for, for his one and only year. Robert Carver just came in. Diamond Stone came in. I mean, they're all a bunch of new pieces that were going to take time uh, to assemble. And obviously before the season even started, Deion Wiley, who was supposed to start, was hurt and tore his meniscus, and he was out for the year. So the entire summer plan was sort of cut there. Uh, even The summer plan wasn't even fully there because uh, Diamond didn't arrive till late. Rashid didn't arrive till late. Um, so things sort of got pushed back there and sort of 
Turgeon really didn't get a set rotation in. Uh, he sort of took a lot of time to get Diamond Stone acclimated and brought him in off the bench for a while. Um, and Maryland just couldn't really figure out how to rebound despite the size. They couldn't really shoot consistently despite having good shooters. Melvin Trimble had a little bit of an off year compared to what we saw his freshman year. Um, so it was a lot of different things. They had really high expectations. I think they sort of met them um, despite maybe a couple of late regular season collapses. But a Sweet 16 appearance, you can't really uh, you know, blame them for falling to a really good Kansas team last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. And it is kind of funny considering, you know, how, how down it seems like we all are on a team that did make the Sweet 16 um, and was fairly consistent during the season. You know, maybe they didn't have a ton of dominating wins uh, that fans would have liked to see, but still won, you know, avoided the upsets, generally speaking. So, I mean, it's uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of nitpicking, but, you know, when you're, when you're ranked that high coming into the year, uh, it's bound to happen, I guess. But uh, getting, getting into a little bit, one, you know, a couple more notes on last season before we jump into uh, this year, I guess, so to speak. Um, Maryland really trended down uh, towards the end of the year. You know, obviously you mentioned they did get the sweet scene run, um, but in Big Ten play really underperformed in the last month or so of the season. Uh, you know, when you just look at their Big Ten record um, of their six total Big Ten losses in, comp- in regular season play, um, you know, you get four of those in the last six games, including the you know disaster against Minnesota, the home loss against Wisconsin, which I think was the first in like a year and a half or something um, going on two years. Uh, what what happened? I mean, uh, you know, some people will say the schedule got tougher, but uh, it certainly seemed like it was more than just that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that Maryland's losses sort of happened at the same time where Melo Trimble went into a shooting bump that we hadn't seen in his year and a half uh, before. Uh, again, I think a lot of it came down to just the pieces never really fit together. Maryland had five really good individual talents who were all professional level, you know, capable players. And, you know, things like maybe Diamond was a little bit overrated coming in his freshman year. He really probably would have benefited, you know, staying staying a second year in Maryland's program. Obviously, he made a tough decision, and that's all great. But uh, he was a little bit overhyped, I think, as a freshman, especially conditioning-wise. He sort of slowed down the offense. He wasn't he wasn't really a passer at all out of the post, um, and his defense wasn't really that great. Uh, so we saw issues there, and with his minutes, um, you know, Rashid Suleiman had his up-and-down games, and we really never saw the defensive stopper that Rashid Suleiman was supposed to be um, yeah, Mello going down. I really, Jake Lehman was probably Maryland's only really consistent player all year, and sort of the peaks and valleys all happened at the wrong times. Um, and rebounding, rebounding was really just like the most confusing thing for everyone, I think, and no one really understood why. Just it, it seemed like the effort level wasn't even there, and there were just times where boxing out was an option uh, that Maryland players just didn't feel like doing at times, and players were lost and. And that was really the confusing part, the size Maryland had. I mean, between they had three seven-footers when they were rotating Diamond, uh, Diamond, Demonte Dodd, and, and Michael Tchaikovsky. And then you have Robert Carter Jr., who's also just a really good rebounder. No one really seemed to figure that all out. So it was a mixture of pieces. There was never um, really a solution to, to getting everyone to mesh well. Uh, maybe having another ball handler like Deion Wiley would have helped things. And maybe he would have been able to fit pieces together um, but, again, it, there was no real one defining this is the thing that went wrong. It was 
slowly every game a different piece would unravel. Like uh, <laughs> it just it just come together. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It was uh, definitely. I, I remember even before the season there was kind of some discussion about you know maybe uh, the addition of Carter will sort of upset the the lineup balance a little bit. So that was something interesting to watch. Um, personally, I it's hard you know when you're adding a player that talented, it's hard to you know get too down about you know maybe oh maybe he makes a, another guy in the lineup uncomfortable. But uh, but it, certainly it seemed like there was some. Uh, effects out of that um, that that led to the the struggles late in the year, but obviously that was last year. Uh, moving into this year, um, of course, you know one of the big tales on, on Maryland coming into this year is there are significant significant off season departures. Um, you know you're losing four starters, including uh, what maybe three of the top four players on the team. Uh, what what do you make of these off season departures? And I guess how how huge are they? Uh, well, here as much as I'll maybe criticize Sturgeon for some of the coaching decisions he makes, um, he's just done a fantastic job recruiting. I don't think anyone had as tough of a job, uh, you know, from a from a power conference recruiting standpoint that Sturgeon just because he had guys that he didn't know if they were going to leave or not until the last few weeks. So. Diamond Stone, everyone said it was going to be a one and done, but you know he didn't really have the season. I don't think anyone you know expected him to have, so there was always a chance he was coming back. Um, Robert Carter stayed until the last two weeks. No one really knew if he was going to come back. Bell Trimble didn't decide until the last night possible uh, that he was coming back. So Turgeon, you know, had a limited amount of scholarship um, scholarships open that he could say, "Hey, you can take this spot," because he really didn't know. So it took a lot of convincing. Uh, he had Anthony Cowan. Um, a four-star point guard who's coming in uh, this season. He had him locked down before the season even started, um, so that was an advantage, but then he was able to also gain commitments from Kevin Herter, who's a four-star shooting guard, and the last commitment was Justin Jackson, who's probably their most important, um, another four-star wing who's going to eventually probably start for the team. Um, but it's very impressive, the talent that he's been able to pull in. Uh, Turgeon has very has been very open in saying that he expects these guys to be here for three or four years, which, you know, last year, obviously, with Diamond, the only uh, guy that they recruited to come in, he was one done gone. That's not really the, the style that Turgeon wants to bring into Maryland. Um, so it's good. I mean, having these long-term pieces is good, and those three guys are made to play right now. Uh, Turgeon seems to think that they're all going to get major minutes uh, right from the beginning, and especially in those wing spots from the two to the three, you know, Mel is going to start a point guard, but those spots are open with no one knows how Dion Wilde is going to be after he hasn't played in almost two years since Terry's meniscus last year and Jared Nickens didn't have a great year last year. So those spots are open and those could be taken by freshmen, you know, by the time we get to midseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a tricky situation when you have that much uncertainty, you know, in the lineup. Uh, and certainly, you know, for big, big players coming back, um, makes it hard to recruit and, you know, left a lot of intensity on the recruiting trail in the last uh, uh, month and a half of the spring, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, with, with all those off-season losses, though, you know, where where are the heads at of Maryland fans, I guess, coming into this year? Because, you know, last year it was, you know, oh, they're going to be in Final Four contention. They're going to be, you know, the favorite in the Big Ten, you know, there were people, you know, I, I remember personally, you know, thinking that they were a serious contender for the national championship. 
obviously they fell short of that. Um, but with this many losses, um, are, obviously fans are not going to feel as good as they did last year. Um, but wh- where are the heads at of Maryland fans, I guess, with, with all of these, uh, you know, big-name players leaving? Yeah, I mean, obviously the hype isn't there. and Maybe the excitement isn't there. The, the excitement would be really dead if Melo Trimble didn't come back. I'll, I'll say that. Um, he's really obviously still the, the focal point of everything. Everyone on campus knows, even if you don't like basketball here. But I say, you know, with the, with the AP whole rankings coming out today in Maryland, getting that last number 25 spot, I just think it's so fitting because it basically says we don't know if Maryland's good or not because no one really does. Charging doesn't know. The players don't know. We don't know. No one knows how the freshmen are going to fit in right away. They're obviously uh, a big part of, of what's going to be good about this team just because, obviously, you said, like, the turnover, the amount of uh, the portion of the offense. That, um, so they're a big question mark. I, I couldn't really tell you. With anything with Melo Trimble, you have to think is going to be in there come March. Uh, but if the freshmen aren't as good as we think they are, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, and uh, that's certainly the impression I've gotten. I, I, you know, we'll get to predictions a little bit later, so I don't want to get into that too much now. But uh, certainly hopeful, but uh, you know, a lot, a lot of mixed thoughts coming into this year. But um, you did, you did talk. You know, we talked about kind of some of the guys who left, um, but obviously, you know, you've already hit on a couple of them. But there's a lot of guys coming in. You know, a, a big, big recruiting class here. Um, it ends up, according to 247, it finishes 12th nationally. I know a lot of people kind of get uh, all fidgety about basketball recruiting class rankings, but it's a good class. You know, you're bringing in a handful of four stars here, um, potentially some sleepers. And then the team also adds a huge transfer um, in LG Gill. Uh, who, you know, without going, you know, through every single guy here, uh, who are the guys to watch for you? Um, who do you think might have a shot at starting? And uh, I guess, who, who do you think is going to be the best long-term for the Terps? Uh, I have to think that Justin Jackson is probably the guy, uh, in my mind, who thinks, I think has the best chance of starting. But uh, Turgeon has a history of, of really taking his time before putting his freshmen into, you know, large roles. And Mel Trimble is probably the only exception to that. Um, <laughs> but Justin Jackson is huge just because, I mean, he's a massive presence for freshmen, first of all. He's six seven with a 7-3 wingspan, which – is a dream. I mean, you could slide him down and play him at the four or even at the five if you were getting really uh, futuristic and wanted to play a nice small ball lineup. But, um, you know, he's a guy who's able to slash. He's a guy who can shoot. Um, he's going to be able to defend naturally just because of his length. Uh, he's going to be huge. Uh, Kevin Herter is a lifestyle shooter um, who's probably going to take the role of Jared Nickens uh, if Jared Nickens doesn't figure out what he's doing on the defensive end. Um and Anthony Cowan, I think, is going to make such a big impact just because he's finally this big point guard recruit next to Melo Trimble, who's Melo's not Melo's not a natural point guard. Uh, and a lot of you know a lot of the issues we saw with the shooting are because he's trying to uh, shoot off the dribble, which is just hard. Uh, and he had a freakish freshman year, but he slowed down. And he played more of a shooting guard in high school, so if he's able to slide down and play shooting guard next to Anthony Cowan. Um, you know, his numbers might light up and his scoring might light up. Uh, the fre- those three freshmen have the chance to make the biggest impact. Uh, and Mark Trajan brought in some longer-term pieces, too. He brought over uh, Joshua Tamayich uh, from Spain, 
who we saw a little bit in the scrimmage, who actually has some range, um, and he looks like a long-term uh, forward option. And Micah Thomas, who somehow slipped out of the top 100, uh, but he's a really, really long guy. I mean, he's only about 6'6", but his wingspan's seven two and a half, and, and he's going to take that Jake Wayman road over the next few years where they're going to bulk him up before he gets comfortable. But, again, he's going to be he's going to be a really good defender. I mean, Terrence said he's, he has a chance to be one of the best defenders. Um, in the conference eventually, and again, he's a land shooter. Turgeon did a really good job by bringing in a bunch of guys who are going to be with the program for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the difference between this recruiting class and, and well, I guess last year's recruiting guy, uh, <laughs> and some of the transfers yep. that you know, uh, yep. none, of these, none of these guys are clear one and done guys. You know, obviously it's possible. You never know how things are going to shake out. Um, yeah, yeah, none of them – these aren't five-star McDonald All-American guys, but they're good, solid recruits who can develop off the bench, can grab starting roles, you know, next year, and can be stars long-term. You know, I really like Jackson's game. I think he's a huge addition on a wing group that um, has a decent amount of depth but could use another piece like him. Uh, you mentioned Colin, uh, Common. I really like him a lot in the backcourt. Um, you've heard a lot that he could grab a starting job as well alongside Trimble. I think that's really intriguing and obviously uh, talks a lot about the long-term health of the team and the program. It can happen, um, you know, if he's that good from day one. But uh, I like the group. And, you know, Gil, uh, classic holdover. You know, you lose Carter, you grab a a nice transfer who can come in and play right away. So uh, big-time recruiting class here. Um, And, and frankly, you know, to be honest, I I think the only class that's better – um, across the conference is probably Michigan State's just because, you know, there's so many freaks in that class. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I like this group a lot. Um, but jumping off of that, um, why, don't, why don't we get into the uh, sort of the lineup here? You know, we've talked about it a little bit. You know, obviously you got Trimble in the backcourt. You know, you have some returning depth up front. Um, you know, starting with point guard, ending with center. Uh, how do you see the starting lineup shaking out here? Uh it's funny because, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, a bunch of guys are, who are covering the team, we all talk about it, and we all have the same sort of image as the, you know, we've seen what Turgeon does, and we kind of have an idea of what he'll probably roll out with on day one. Um, mm-hmm. We're thinking it's probably going to be Mel Trimble, um, obviously. Uh, Dion Wiley, who Turgeon had mentioned before he got hurt, would probably have started over Rashid Suleiman last year. Um, Jared Nickens, LG Gill and DeMonte Dodd are probably who we're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. I, would expect, I would expect that lineup to change uh, significantly as the season progresses. Um, again, I think Jackson will eventually slide into um, maybe Nickham's spot, and uh, maybe even if, if – he could even slide into that fourth spot if, um, if LG Gill is With the freshmen, obviously not knowing – you know, what, what's going to happen with them. I think that this lineup's probably going to change. And with so many capable wings, you know, Turgeon and, and Biggs, too, because we forget about Michael Tchaikovsky off the bench. And Turgeon's been really high on even Bender, uh, who played well in his small spot minutes last year. I mean, he has a bunch of options if he wants to go bigger or smaller. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't think I – I think that the exact lineup I, I think is going to shake out. I mean, obviously I don't want to discount some freshmen coming in and – being stars from day one, um, but it, it's hard to see him starting, especially at first, you know, with, without having seen any action. Um, when you do have 
relatively proven guys uh, coming back elsewhere. So that should be uh, – it'll be interesting to watch. Um, but, you know, we've kind of jumped through the roster here. You know, we talked about the new guys. We've talked about who's gone. Um, you know, we hit on the starting lineup here. But uh, if you can lay out, you know, it, if you have, you know, one or two red flags on this team and one or two things you feel really good about, um, you know, whether it's, you know, rebounding, whether it's, uh, you know, the backcourt depth, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, what would you pick as, as those red flags and those strengths? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest the biggest factor here is definitely going to be uh, Deion Wiley. Just because we, we'd heard, I mean, Turgeon over the summer and through the beginning, uh, like through media day last year before Deion was hurt, just wouldn't stop talking about him. And, you know, we <laughs> saw the Austin Johnson freshman year, but if he, you know, if he was able to play last year and we could have seen everything, obviously I'd have a little better of an idea. But, uh, you know, if he's able to, to be another slasher and a more consistent shooter, um, you know, that Maryland's really going to need that second option to go to when it's not Mellow Trimble. I mean, they had five they had five of those options last year. Four of them are gone. Um, you know, points aren't really going to be coming from, from down low anymore. You don't have a diamond stone to feed him. Demonte Dodd's not a great offensive player, and um, neither is Gil. Uh, so Dion's really going to be that, that big uh, that big factor in, in my eyes. Uh, and obviously, again, I'm going to keep referring to the freshmen, just seeing how quickly – Turgeon can get them, you know, accustomed to this lineup and seeing if Callum major minutes is, is going to be an option right away also because uh, as good as he is as a scorer and a passer uh, and defensively, he's looked great from, from what we've heard and what we've seen in the open scrimmage and stuff, but uh, he's also on the shorter side. So maybe it takes a little bit of time for him to adjust to the next level. I mean, he's he's not much taller than I am. I know he's listed at six feet, maybe he's five ten or 5'11". And, and those are really, you know, things that I'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on most of that. I, I think the one thing that pops out for me is uh, I'd be a little bit concerned about the interior scoring. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't think Maryland's a team that necessarily needs a ton of it. Um, but it is something I, you know, I, I think you'd have to bat a little bit of an eye at um, just because I don't think Dodd is necessarily a great scorer. Um, you know, you lose – yeah, you lose Stone, you're losing Carter. Um, you know, that could be an area where, you know, and especially if that defense can come out, um, you know, Trimble's obviously outstanding at getting inside and getting to the free throw line. But, um, you know, that, that could be something, at least for me, that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, on the flip side, I, I think the depth and versatility of this team are really underrated. I know nobody likes to talk about depth, um, and I'm I'm a person who rants all the time that, Depth is largely irrelevant in college in basketball generally because, you know, the team with the better starters is going to win nine times out of ten. However, um, you know, for a, a team like this, I think you can match up really well with teams by rotating that wing group. Um, you know, who are, you can play the hot hands because you got guys like Trimble who can play a couple spots. So I, I think that's one thing that that is a little bit overlooked about this team um, heading into this season. Well, with that, why don't why don't we get into some of the fun stuff here and into some of the games? Um, you know, lo- looking at Maryland's schedule here, um, the non-conference is pretty meh. Uh, not not a ton that, that really grabs your eye. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're a believer, oh, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say I can't find one game that grabs my eye. Let me know if you find it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you're a believer in Ken Palm, which generally speaking I am, you know, maybe our uh, our listeners here aren't, um, Maryland is favored. Yeah, Maryland's favored in every non-conference game, most of them significantly, except for at Georgetown. So, I mean, I, I would say, you know, with the rivalry aspect, that's one that grabs my eye a little bit. But most of the, you know, the rest, that's the only road game on conference play. Um, and then as well, you know, Maryland talked about this Big Ten schedule came out. They got a very, very favorable draw um, in Big Ten play. You know, they get Minnesota twice. They get Rutgers twice. Um, really looks pretty manageable, so to speak. You know, again, not everybody is a, is a believer in Ken Palm here, but Ken Palm has Maryland at 48. And they're still projected to go 10 and eight in conference play. Um, and I for clarify there, but um, so that talks about, you know, sort of a pretty weak slate. Um, first off, do, do you agree with this? And do you think that that's going to kind of blow up in their face on a, in a selection Sunday situation? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the non-conference <laughs> schedule is extremely disappointing. Uh, especially, I think even last year, it was great that Maryland played an early December game in North Carolina, and they lost that game by six points, but it was it was a great game for everyone to measure, okay, you know, Maryland is, is really good, and I think that's when everyone realized it. Uh, and that was a game, too, when, uh, when Marcus Page went off for some ridiculous numbers where everyone's like, oh, that, that gets cut in half, you know, that's a Maryland <laughs> win. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing. They're going to go through they're, they don't leave the Maryland D.C. area except for the Barclays Classic. So, and they're not exactly playing anyone special there. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're gonna, I think, we're gonna keep um, bidding in the I don't know if Maryland's good or not category for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And really, I, I can't picture a win in November or December that you know comes out in March like, oh, they did this. It doesn't really help. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I should note that, um, you know, we've we've talked about Northwestern and, and so on, and this isn't an a la Northwestern schedule where everybody is just a complete cupcake. It, it's not that case. It's just most of these teams, they're coming, uh, you know, in to play Maryland in College Park, and Maryland should be better than them. So that that's the key aspect here, that, um, you know, they're not going on the road to play some of these teams. So they should, uh, you know, at least for me, I think it'd be pretty shocking if they lost more than two in non-conference play and maybe even pretty surprising if they lost two, um, just given the slate. And then, uh, you know, we mentioned in Big Ten play, there are certainly going to be challenges. Everybody everybody gets that in Big Ten play. You know, they're going to have to play Michigan State. They're going to have to play Indiana. They're going to have to play Wisconsin. Um, but, you know, even those games, if you sit back, they get Indiana once at home. They get Michigan State once at home. They get Purdue once at home. And then they get Wisconsin on the road. So of, of the teams that are projected, um, hell, they're projected by the AP poll as the top four teams in the Big Ten. Maryland faces them four times, and three of them come at home. So, I mean, this is – you know, Maryland fans cannot complain about the Big Ten scheduling office this year. That that much is for sure. Um but uh, but yeah. So I mean, um, I, I guess with that, why don't why don't we get into the, some of the season predictions here? Um, you know, first off, what what do you 
expect this team? How do you expect them to perform? Um, where do you see them fitting into the Big Ten? And um, I wouldn't say, you know, give me an exact record, but, uh, you know, what kind of range do you expect them in? And, uh, you know, do they make the postseason? And if they do, uh, which tournament and or how far uh, do you think they go? Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I think, you know, and obviously, you know, I've had this discussion with people, and, and my conclusion is it'd be, it'd be pretty shocking if Maryland didn't make the NCAA tournament, I think. Uh, everyone likes to compare this team to two years ago's team uh, with with Mel Trimble and Des Wells. And I, I see that in some ways, obviously, just because it's not the power team that the year before was. Um, but I think Maryland has even more talent than that that team two years ago that did uh, that did make the tournament. Um, I'd like to I'd like to think Maryland finishes in that bottom of that top five in the Big Ten and and can push a middle seed in the NCAA tournament and maybe make the round of 32 for being legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong and the freshmen exceed my expectations and and you know who knows I mean Syracuse last year so like Lord <laughs> knows what that is going to bring, especially when you just have Mellow Temple, where if you have no idea what to do, you just say, Mellow, go to the basket. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to put numbers, but I'm going to put pressure on myself. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, I totally understand that. <laughs> I, uh, Yeah, I mean, I I have them, and I may change in the next week or so, but um, I have Maryland fifth in the Big Ten. I think they're going to be behind, be behind that sort of that uh, four man or 14 group, I should say. Um, but the one, the one thing that really does, and I hit on this a little bit in the schedule, but if, if I'm a Maryland fan, this scares the crap out of me. And it's the fact that, you know, you're only facing those top four teams four times, which, you know, is really nice because you can build a record, but it also makes those games so important. You have to win one or two of those because, Otherwise, you're going to have a schedule full of just mediocre wins. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm generalizing here. You know, you're talking about, you know, if you win at a Michigan or you beat Ohio or at Ohio State, you know, you get them twice. I'm sure those will be nice resume boosting wins. But, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, it, again, according to the AP poll, you have to win one of those four games to have a ranked win in Big Ten play, um, you know, if you're Maryland. And, that that would that would scare me, I know so much riding on those games. Plus, the other end of that sword, as Maryland experienced it last year, you blow one of those games against one of the bottom teams, and it is devastating uh, to your resume. Minnesota is going to be haunting for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you guys got to play them twice this year, so it, it, it's a little scary. Um, but, however, you know, with that said. I think Maryland's going to win one or two of those. They play excellently at home. You know, that home court advantage is top notch. I think they're going to get enough decent wins in non-conference play. You know, you're talking about, you can beat a Richmond, you can beat a Pitt, you can beat Oklahoma state. And those will be nice resume wins. They're not, they're not going to be a marquee win, but they're enough to where you can start building that RPI. Um, So, I mean, I, I think they're going to do enough to be in that, top of the big 10 conversation. And then, I mean, you, you just got to hope you don't suffer an upset 
and you got to hope that you at least get one or two of those top-notch games. And uh, or you might you have to do a little bit of work in Big Ten play to get where you or Big Ten tournament play to get where you want. Um, but I, I think the schedule is it's much trickier than it looks, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I, I like the team though. I, I think it's a tournament team, I, and I think it's a top-end Big Ten team. Um, so it, it should it should be interesting to uh, to check out. But uh, any any response to that? And, am I going crazy here, or uh, <laughs> you, no, you're me out now? Um, no, I mean yeah. It's obviously easy to look at it and overcomplicate all the schedule and everything. Um, but who knows, you know, we don't know the status of any of these teams by then. You know, who knows who's injured, who's healthy, who's playing horribly. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't want to look too much into that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously, obviously, the big uh, areas of concern are, are still, you know, giving Melo Trimble healthy, which he's relatively been. Because um, without Melo Trimble, uh, you know, winning games is going to be really hard for this team where, Maybe they edge a few out without him last year, but, you know, that's not going to happen again. And I know he's, you know, hyper-focused on, on his health. That's, you know, he told me that that's essentially one of the biggest things that they told him at the Combine. You know, his body was beat up by the end of last season. Uh, he played he played some unnecessary minutes and blowouts and, you know, eventually just drive to the rim and snapping your head back. You know, it catches up with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I... Uh... Yeah, and I mean, I, I should add one point as kind of a counter here to my, my schedule uh, analysis here is, you know, to rebut that, you know, if you believe in Ken Palm, um, you know, Ohio State's 13th in Ken Palm's preseason rankings. Um, I, along with many others, believe that is massively flawed and they won't be the 13th best in the country. Um, but, hey, hey, they're there right now. And, I mean, you don't know if a team – a Northwestern or a Penn state or, um, or hell, a, a Michigan, you know, takes off. Um, or again, Iowa, you know, they're, they're pretty similar to Maryland in a lot of ways this year. So, I mean, uh, you don't know if any of those teams are going to take off. So, I mean, it, it is a little dangerous, I guess, to do kind of what I'm doing here <laughs> and sort of project how the schedule looks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we were talking last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you never truly know, and, and that's a good point. But uh, again, I I like the team. I I think it's certainly good enough to make the tournament. I think it's a top twenty-five team, and uh, I think they're going to do some damage this year. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be more fun. I'd like to think uh, than last year. We can stop stressing after you know a single loss after last year's team was supposed to be easy best group mm. of five individuals to ever play basketball together. So uh, yeah. less pressure, more on developing the freshmen. And I think this is more of a, you know, let's, let's come to the realization that we're probably not winning the title with Melo Trimble and, and let's see what happens and what we can get, you know, past him. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, well, Matt, thanks for coming on. Uh you got any final thoughts here on, on the Terps or the Big Ten or, or anything coming into college hoop season? Uh, I'm going to leave with one uh, with one last statement because I will die on this hill for forever, and that is Maryland will absolutely realize how much Jake Lehman contributed and meant to this program this year when they struggled defending on the wing. You heard it here. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I, uh, I think I, I think I kind of agree with you on that one. Um, but I, I did want to hit you on one final thing. 
And that is um, weekend Maryland football coming to Ann Arbor, facing my beloved Wolverines. Um, what, what do you think about this weekend's game? I, I got to ask about it. Here's what I will say. I will say that Maryland plays Catawba at home to basketball in their exhibition game, and I will definitely not be watching the football game. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Matt, thank you That's an up-and-coming program, too. I don't want to hurt them too much. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's definitely a little interesting for Michigan just because uh, DJ Durkin, former assistant, coming back to Ann Arbor. And uh, Maryland also won against Michigan last time they were in the big house. So um, looking for some revenge, I guess, uh, for Michigan. Or maybe, well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, Matt, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, have a good one. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Um, as a reminder, everyone, that was uh, Matt Allentuck. He writes for Testito Times, which is SB Nation's Big Ten site. Um, they do a lot of great work over there. If you're interested in Maryland, if you're interested in Big Ten stuff, um, they got a lot of great stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. I think they got a podcast. Um, I should know this. I was on it at least once, I think. So check it out. Definitely worth a, a listen and a read as well. But uh, thanks again for everyone for checking us out. You can follow me on Twitter at TBendit. Um, again, check out the BT Powerhouse main page. A lot of great stuff going on. I think we're through about like half of the season previews. Tons of positional previews. We're previewing every team. Um, just a ton of material. Definitely worth a read. But with that, uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, we'll, we've got another five teams or so to go with the season preview podcast. But uh, see you next time. Thanks again.